a Hallmark Channel original holiday movie event. Starring Alicia Witt. I can no longer tell lies. What? I think you're really cute and funny. Well, you get an A for candor. One woman will discover that Christmas is no time to hold your tongue. I love you. I'm not ready for Christmas. On Hallmark Channel, the heart of TV. So first of all, who is ever ready for Christmas? right? Nobody's ever ready for the holidays. They sneak up on you. There's never enough time. You're very busy. All that crap. So why is the protagonist of today's feature film so special for not being ready? She's not because that's never even a thing in the movie. There's no moment when they're like, I'm not ready for Christmas. There's a deadline. Oh my God, I don't have everything done. No, that has nothing to do with the movie. It's purely because apparently at one point in life, Alicia Witt recorded a song called I'm Not Ready for Christmas and then did a movie and they're like, oh, we need a title for this movie. Oh, we have a song. We don't know what to do with it. Hey, there we go. Right off the bat, I'm a little annoyed. Hi, everybody. It is another stocking stuffer edition of the Feminine Critique, as told by me alone today. Uh, Once again, I like Christine quite a bit and didn't feel the need to make her watch a movie that can't even follow its own title. 2015's I'm Not Ready for Christmas uh, for the Hallmark Channel, of course, directed by Sam Irvin, who, not a name that would ring off your tongue unless a few things, you happen to watch a fair amount of these kinds of movies. Uh, You're a big fan and know all the details of Brian De Palma's crew in his early films, because apparently Mr. Irvin served as an assistant director on The Fury and Dressed to Kill. Uh, Naturally, You then follow that up by directing Elvira's Haunted Hills, which I have not seen, and then doing Hallmark Christmas movies, which is, I think, the career trajectory that every young director dreams of. Now, before we go into examining all the important details and requirements of this as a Hallmark movie, to give you a quick synopsis, um, if you'll remember last year, Christine and I covered a movie called The Twelve Dates of Christmas, um, which was shockingly delightful and kind of good and made Christine cry. Uh, and basically what it was, was a ABC Family Channel version, Christmas version of Groundhog Day. Uh, you know, high concept, just turn it into a Christmas movie. Uh, so what I'm not ready for Christmas is, despite its title that has nothing to do with anything, it is a Hallmark Channel version of Liar Liar. In the role formerly played by Jim Carrey is the adorable little redhead Alicia Witt. Now, Alicia Witt is sort of one of the, um, I wouldn't call her the queen of the Hallmark uh Christmas movie. I think that's more a battle fought between Candace Cameron Bure and Lacey Chabert. Uh, but Alicia Witt's like on the royal council. Like she's more like a royal advisor, if you will. Like she's the hand to the queen. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have always liked her. Uh, she's delightful. She's a very smart woman. Like in real life, I think she's a genius and somehow ended up doing Hallmark movies because, you know what? Truth be told, it's like what I always said about gym teachers. My theory is that secretly, High school gym teachers are the smartest people you know, because what do they do? They wake up, they put on sweatpants, and they go to work. And if they feel active and feel like they want to do something, they're like, hey, guys, we're going to play volleyball. And you know what? I like volleyball, so I'm going to play with you. Or they're like, "Eh, you guys play volleyball. I'm going to sit back and supervise. And then they probably, like, get out their you know, Moby Dick and read the whole thing. Uh, That's kind of what I, in a way, what I think of when I think of um, 
actors who do a lot of these movies or actors who do like sci-fi originals where, you know, they go to Richard Mole. They're like, hey, Richard Mole, would you be in this movie for us? And he's like, well, where are you filming? And they say, well, Hawaii. He's like, all right, can I bring my family? Sure. Uh, do I have to work a lot? No, we only need you for two scenes. Okay, so I'm getting flown to Hawaii and put up in a hotel for like two weeks and I only have to work for a half hour. Great. Hallmark movies are kind of like that, right? They film these things like in two days. It's very obvious for a lot of reasons. So maybe Alicia Witt really is the genius that, um, you know, she was kind of introduced as as a child to be a child prodigy. If this is how you're spending a lot of your time, that's pretty fucking smart. But back to the movie, Alicia Witt plays a character named, get this, wait for it, Holly. Now, we haven't, this hasn't come up yet, um, but a lot of these movies will have characters named after cute things of Christmas. So in this case, Holly is a marketing executive of sorts, and she's trying to make partner in her firm, um, and she's pretty good at her job. But she has a problem, see, and her problem is that she lies a lot. Uh, like pathologically where some of it's well-meaning, right? You just, you know, you tell somebody you look nice today. And even if they don't like you do that, cause you're a polite person, but other parts of it is, you know, there's a cab and she goes to get the cab and somebody else does. And rather than just kind of saying, I really need to go somewhere. Can I have this cab? She spins this whole story about her sister's giving birth and all of that. So it's kind of a thing she does and where it hurts her life and hurts others is that she has a sister uh, and her sister has a daughter, an awful, annoying, clawing daughter. We'll get to her. And, you know, uh, Holly is always making promises like, of course, I'll drop everything and come to your concert where you're going to sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas off key. Of course, I'll do that. And then she doesn't show up because she has a work thing and so on. So, you know, this makes life hard on other people and little annoying niece uh whose name i don't remember and i i don't like being mean to child actors i really don't but it's it's always i blame it more on the direction than the actual performance uh anna okay her little niece anna uh is so sad because she just sang a solo and she really wanted her aunt to be there for it so after her solo anna is standing outside the school and there's a santa claus there ringing his bell for charity and Santa starts making friends with Anna, and he says, well, what do you want for Christmas, little girl? And guess what? She makes a wish, and she says, I wish my aunt would never lie again. Uh, the next day, what do you know? All of a sudden, Holly just can't not tell the truth. Um, so when somebody says, oh, do you like my sweater? She says, no, it makes him look fat. And when somebody says, hey, do you have that, uh, thing ready for work? She says, no, I haven't even started it. And so on. Uh, and when the handsome guy who gave her that cab says, uh, oh, uh, will you go out with me? She says, yes, I'm absolutely in love with you, even though we barely know each other and we haven't slept together yet. Uh, so... It's inconvenient for life. And no matter what profession you're in, you know, marketing, you know, hey, you're bending the truth all the time in marketing, right? You're, you're taking something and spinning it into a selling point. And it does not necessarily involve lying, but it can involve tweaking the truth, if you will. So it's making life really hard. However, the account Holly is currently working on, like the big Money Mooner account, uh, has to do with a designer, a British designer's line of menswear. Uh, and it's, I guess he's supposed to be like a Michael Kors-esque uh, kind of 
personality, played by Grease 2's Maxwell Caulfield. And I know you guys know him from other things, from Empire Records, which I hate, and all this other stuff, but come on. Grease 2. Uh, so, uh, you know, she gets the, the job, gets her firm on the project, because he likes her honesty, and he likes her candor, and the fact that she's not going to bullshit him. Uh, and he also likes her, because she's Alicia Witt. She's adorable. And she knows that. She realizes, oh, I don't know if I got this because I lied about things, or because this guy's interested in me, or because I'm really good at my job. So, okay, that's an interesting thing. Uh, and then, meanwhile, there is the... Um, Love interest that uh, stuff happens with. I'll get to it. It's boring and you don't care. Uh, So that is the story of I'm not ready for Christmas. It has nothing to do with being ready for Christmas. It has to do with lying. Now, to run through our list of 10 things that make this this kind of movie that we have to have. Our first thing, our lead in need of a lesson, and of course we have one. So, I mean, this is the prime representation of your protagonist in a Lifetime Hallmark freeform Christmas movie. Uh, Holly, you know, even Alicia Witt is, does these movies every year. Uh, so exactly the person you cast here. Uh, she is a corporate working woman. She's got a cell phone and she's on it a lot, guys. So we know she's got to learn that things don't come before work. Even though, like, she doesn't have kids. She's single. And the movie's definitely judging her for not giving a chance to date when she's like, well, I really like my job and I work really hard at it. And I, you know, don't date a lot because I'm not ready to adjust my time like that. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. The movie thinks there is. And the movie's wrong. But anyway, aside from that, yes, Holly is the prime epitome of the kind of protagonist you have in this movie. Shockingly, the one trope that always comes up, that like I can always count on having, which is just our setting being Big Bad City, Charming Small Town, or Magical Winter Wonderland, we don't get here. Okay, this movie is, I think, just set in the suburbs, which is kind of weird, right? Uh, has no personality, you know, it seems to be a small enough kind of place where Alicia Witt, after never seeing this guy before, keeps banging into him. Uh, but yeah, the movie makes no claim. I think it's somewhere near Chicago, they kind of allude to, uh, but it is not any of these things, which is okay, good for them. No, no reason to stick it in a, you know, quaincy town if you don't need to. Uh, however, number three, we're back, guys. We're back. We're on track uh, because we get our bland love interest. Uh, now, we've gone through the different poor little rich boy or manual laborer or what. In this case, we got kind of the – he's not a manual laborer, but he is uh, – he's a really good guy. Uh, his name is Drew. He – I mean, we got, we've had some real duds so far, and he is no better. Uh, his, you know, he's a good guy because he's a school teacher. See, and now I, I have all the respect in the world for teachers. Some of my best friends are teachers. I have had wonderful teachers in my life. I really respect the good ones. I respect, you know, giving your professional life to that. But these movies, you introduce, if there's a male character who's a teacher, it's like when the whole, when you have an attractive man and he has a puppy right? It's automatically like women start drooling because it means, oh, he must be a good one. He's a teacher. This movie just has such a uh, like dreamboat heartthrob uh, halo that they put over any man who has given his life to education. 
Uh, so Drew, just, I don't know, he's a music teacher. Great. Uh, he's nice. Um, but he's got this thing where, like, he doesn't really seem to trust people. A, because Holly has so far lied to him, like, every time she's known him. And also because he reveals his ex-girlfriend was having an affair on him and he didn't know it. So now he has trust issues. Whatever. There's very little chemistry between him and Alicia Witt. Um, you kind of feel bad for both because they have nothing going on. She's really cute. Um, and she's really the thing that saves this movie is that Alicia Witt's like kind of funny. Like she can't not say things like, I think I'm falling in love with you. And I really hope you kiss me now or all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, she has good comic timing. So she makes that funny. Um, but I don't know. Ladies, am I wrong? Is it weird that you've got, you've met this guy? And you had one day where, like, you were at a party and he was at a party, so you kind of hung out together. And then you had, like, one more date and one more half date, and then you're in love with him? Like, I think they – I don't even think they've kissed at this point. Um, that's just creepy to me. I don't know. I find that – not, like, moving fast. Hey, it's fine. You fall in love. That's beautiful for you. Great. But it's just one of those, like, I'm not buying this, people. I'm not. Uh, but that's your bland love interest for you. Now, moving on, number four, montage. Finally, guys, we've been waiting for it. We finally get a montage, and it's a great one because it's a marketing montage. So it's a montage of Alicia Witt doing marketing, and it's as exciting as it sounds. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think they play the theme song, I'm Not Ready for Christmas. Uh, It is sung by Alicia Witt, and I think it's played over the opening credits, over the closing credits, and maybe during the montage. I Don't quote me on that, but I feel like it's played about 18 times in this movie. After the montage, number five is our token dead parents. Don't worry, guys. We got them. Uh, It's about 40 minutes into the movie, and during their, like, only date, uh, Drew asks Holly, so uh, what's your family like? And and she says, oh, I have my sister, and she's great. And he says, oh, what about your parents? Awkward pause. Dead parents. Um, I think it was a car accident. It's usually an accident because they have to die at the same time. That's always important. Um, This brings us now to number six the sassy sidekick character now holly throughout this movie we know that it's very important that she has a relationship with her sister um her sister is a single mom and you're kind of waiting like okay so is it a dead husband too do we have a dead dad is it like a a threefer uh no we find out the dad like left uh, and is engaged to somebody else and so, you like, your sister character is, like, kind of sad. She's not very sassy. She's, I mean, she's a little demanding of her sister, who's a working woman, and she's kind of like, drop everything, like, this great opportunity for business, and come hear my awful daughter sing terribly. Uh, you know, she doesn't wear big earrings, so she really, the sass factor is very low. However, it's still, you know, the sister that raised her, blah, blah. Now, here's the great thing about the sister character, is that she's very sad. Um, you know, she's clearly lonely and just unhappy. And even like, she has all these conversations with Holly where once Holly reveals like, I, by the way, I can't lie anymore. So the sister's like, okay, so all of these times that you canceled plans on me, was that, were those real? And Holly's like, no, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. No, I had something more important. Um, so like, you just really feel bad for the sister And at a certain point, uh, the niece character decides, like, okay, this is wrong. I can't – I need to take this away from my aunt. It's unfair. I'm going to go to Santa, and I'm going to ask for something else. And so she does. She goes to Santa, and she says, I want to take back my wish. I want to make a different one for somebody else. And you're thinking, oh, that's sweet. She's probably going to wish, like – I wish my mommy could 
you know, uh, find a really good husband, or I wish my mommy could get a great job, or I wish my mommy could be happy. I wish my mommy could smile again. Um, so you're expecting that at the end. And no, um, spoiler alert, what she wishes for is that um, Drew, who gets a job offer, that like that, that job offer falls through and that he stays in town to be with her aunt. So the final scene of this movie is Drew and Holly, like, happily kissing all Christmassy, uh, little girl all happy because, hey, nobody's lying and everybody's happy now. And then the sister just sitting there, like, clearly like, oh, okay, I guess I get nothing this year again. Um, That amused me way more than it should have, I will tell you. I'm a terrible person, but I really want there to be, like, a sequel directed by like Michael Haneke or something where it's all about the sister's rage that's been festering all this time. Moving right along, number seven is our evil woman character. Now, it's interesting here. We don't really have one. Uh, the only other corporate woman in the movie is Holly's assistant, who's kind of gets a nice little arc of her own. Um, but in this case, the villain, uh, it is not a woman. It is kind of Maxwell Caulfield, because uh, you find out he's, uh, he's questionable in a couple of ways. Um, and he is also, you know, very rich and out of touch. So he has a great, like one great line that did make me chuckle, which is where uh, he's having dinner with Holly and they're talking about business and stuff. And she says something about like, well, you know, this this job was between me and one other person. And, you know, I respect him, but we work differently. And he says, co-workers, oh, how quaint it must be to have peers. Because assuming like he's so big that nobody tells it like it is to him. Uh, and you get to hear, in case you've been waiting your whole life for it, you get to hear Maxwell Caulfield say, now let's take a selfie. Uh, which is kind of evil in itself. But again, not really evil woman. I'm stretching it, I know. Uh, number eight, slapstick. Sort of, because we get bad ice skating. Uh, you know, that's something. And we also get along with that bad singing, um, which is obviously quite a, must have been wacky on set, because Alicia Witt can actually sing, but her character in the movie really can't. And so there's a scene where everybody's Christmas caroling, and she's sticking out because she's singing so badly. So that's kind of slapsticky in my stretched version of it. Uh, number nine, sage old person. Eh, that's going to lump right into number 10, Santa Claus. Because we have a Santa Claus. He's apparently real. And apparently the real Santa Claus has nothing better to do than to stand on the stoop of a um, fairly like middle class public school and grant like one little girl's wish for her very successful white collar aunt. Uh, you know, he gives good advice because he does. And like Alicia Wade goes back and forth and talks to him and seems to kind of figure things out from talking to him. So he is a sage old person. Uh, he's also the real Santa Claus who has nothing better to do than to help the, uh, pretty okay so far aunt of a child, you know, for, forget about the kids that like need food to live. Um, no, this is way more important. Uh, so those are the 10. As far as our bonuses go, we get like... 3,000 points for the songs. We got a lot of public domain holiday songs, uh, including a really painful song when the little girl sings. And I'm not being mean to the little girl, but I I don't know. Like, do, do you want to sit and watch, like, a nine-year-old child sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas not very well? I don't. I'm not a monster. I'm just a human being, I think. 
Uh, so you get those. You get caroling, and you get the original song used about eight times. Uh, now, the no product placement that I caught, um, no Canadianisms, sadly. Uh, but we do get a bonus of the cloying child, obviously. The kid's awful. I didn't like her. No offense. Uh, and as far as ice skating goes, yes, we get ice skating. It's a whole thing. The movie ends with Alicia Witt receiving ice skates as a Christmas present from her niece. Uh, so that is, I'm not ready for Christmas. Uh, as far as points go, let's see, we get one, two, three, four. I won't count sassy sidekick, so I won't count evil woman. Five, six, seven out of ten, and then plus two bonuses, but those bonuses are so high that I'm going to say this movie scores an 876 out of ten, as far as all those things go. Do I recommend it? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's another Hallmark movie, and it follows the same formula that you expect, like to the point where you can predict... You know, every five minutes where it's going, I shouted, dead parents, really excitedly when that came up. Uh, The reason to watch this one, and it has been airing on Hallmark a lot, so if you flip around, you'll find it. The reason to watch it is Alicia Witt. Um, She, like I said, she's, she's funny. She's having a good time. The material isn't really up to her level. Uh, The rest of the cast is not particularly interesting, although it's fun to have Maxwell Caulfield on there. Uh, but if you're a fan of hers, um, this is exactly kind of, I think, what you want to see from her on that, like, innocent, stupid end. Uh, she's funny. She gets to be funny. That's what works about it. But, um, you know, it's, it's another Hallmark movie about a working woman who needs to stop working so hard and start caring more about the really bland guy who saves the musical skills of like 24th graders a year in this no-name town. That is I'm Not Ready for Christmas. Uh, I don't have much more to say. I'm not going to be ready for Christmas. Nobody is. Characters in this movie seem pretty ready. End of the movie. Everybody had decorated. Everybody had presents for everyone. So again, bullshit title. I'm calling it out. And actually on IMDb, if you skim through the comments, like that's the most common comment is that people were really annoyed with the title of this movie. So make of that what you will. Stephanie. Look, when are you going to get the picture? If you really want to know what I want in a guy. With hell in his eyes I want a devil that's getting tied leather He's gonna be wild as the wind When by night I'll be holding on tight To a cool rider A cool rider If he's cool enough He can burn me through and through Whoa!
English. I got something uh, scholastic to discuss with you. What I'm saying here is that, you know, you're Mr. History, right? Like, I got this essay on the fall of Rome. <laughs> I didn't even know they were in trouble. What are you driving at, Dimitri? Papers for paper. Essays for cash. Hmm? So that's it? It was what? It's gonna have to be a motorcycle. Good idea, invest in the cycle. So? So you got a deal. Hey! All right. Listen, when we make the drop, not out here in the open like this, huh? I got a rep to protect. 